So we're starting with with questions today. Questions is the is the is the new series we're we're starting off into. And the question I want to address is why church? Why church? We just finished celebrating the resurrection. We just finished celebrating how great God is, and so we're going to talk about why church. Why why is that an important thing for us to do? And so we're going to start with the definition of the word church. I looked this up. The definition of church says, as a building for public Christian worship. Second point says, public worship of God or a religious service in such a building. So that's how the dictionary defines church. And I want to start off by saying this. If your definition of church is limited to the building, then your faith is only going to be limited to the building. Just repeat that. If your definition of church is limited to the building, then that's where your faith will be limited to. And so you'll only experience God and only see things happen and because your faith will say, well, well, if I go to church or when I'm at church, I'll get someone to pray for me. And when I, 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 I'm there from, from 1045 to or 1055 for some of us, 1045 to about 12 o'clock, you know, that's where God can just move and pour and download into my life. And I'm telling you, if that's your definition, you're limiting God in your life. We are called to be the church. So the church comes when you guys arrive. So guess what? So church can happen wherever you go. So wherever you go at your workplace, church can happen. In your schools, church can happen. When you're just out on the sidewalk walking in the park, church can take place. When you're at Walmart, guess what? Church can happen. When you're in wherever you go, Church can break out because you take church with you. You take the kingdom with you wherever you go. So we have to begin to expand our thought process beyond, as you have heard say, the four walls of the church. Beyond the mindset of once I'm here, this is my safe place, and then when I leave here, I, I just leave all that, that, uh, that holiness and that praying and all that worship stuff, I leave it right there. It's not what we're called to do. That's not why Jesus came. He didn't come for us to just leave it behind. And so what happens is when we have a limited idea of what church is, then we limit it, like I said, to this natural setting. And then when we limit it to a natural setting, guess what? Then our faith gets caught up in the natural. We get caught up in saying, well, let me make sure I look like I have everything together. Let me make sure that I get, you know, got to... Get my, get my church face ready so I can smile all the time, so I can say, everything is good. Everything's going great. Oh, brother, how you doing? God bless you. Oh, my sister, good to see you. Good to see you. And deep down, we just want to break down because we want somebody to pray for us. You know, whenever I was in youth, there was a, a question I got all the time whenever I was getting ready to go Graduate high school, a question I got all the time was, where are you going to college? 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 And I got it so much every Sunday that I perfected an answer to where I could be talking to an adult about where I was going to college and thinking, like, I wonder who, what time the Spurs play today. Like, it was just hit autoplay and go. 
And then after that, like, what are you going to study in church? Or what are you going to study in college? Had that perfected too. And we get programmed answers because we get, honestly, we get, as a church, we get conversationally lazy a little bit. Is that okay? Can we, can we go there this morning? Is that all right? If you get offended, I'm uh, Pastor Sam at nctyler.org. You can send an email there. He will get it and respond to you right away. Um, he always checks his email. He always responds pretty quickly. Um, but we get conversationally lazy. I, had, I went to a conference one time, and this, this minister was talking, and she said that someone came up to her one Sunday, and they said, how's your soul this morning? How's your soul? What if we started asking people, how's your soul this morning? And she was so, she tells the story how she was so focused on getting ready to share a word to the children's church that morning. She was so focused on that that she was missing opportunities to not only be loved on, but to love on people. Because she was so focused on doing instead of being. And she realized, and she just said, I need, I need prayer. And she broke down, and this lady began to love and minister to her, all because of asking the right questions. So I wonder sometimes, do, do we come this morning, and do you just say to the youth, hey, what are you going to study? What are you going to do with your life? Or what if we changed our question and said to somebody, Hey, what can I be agreeing in prayer with you about? That's not an oversaved statement. <laughs> That's being real. Hey, what can I be praying with you about? How are you doing? Is everything going? Is there anything that you need agreement for? Is there anything that I can do to help you today? That's my question every Sunday morning when I see Pastor Sam and Pastor Chris. My first question is them. What can I do to make your life easier today? I learned that from someone, so don't just say, oh, Roger's so smart, he's so holy. No, I, I copied that from somebody. But I said, that's a great idea. So I started asking, what can I do to make your life easier this morning? What can I, can I take care of something? Is there anything that you have in the back of your mind that you, you, you need to be done? Can I do that for you this morning? Being the church. Being the church. So, let's, and I, and when I, I made that, Statement in my notes, someone else on the worship team, Michaela, came and confirmed and she said that that's what the Lord, the word, the Lord gave her. <laughs> the word the Lord gave her was about going beyond just that surface level. But getting into each other's lives. Again, I'm talking about why church is important. Why is important? Why did we come here this morning? What's the reason for it? And we're going to go to Scripture. So go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. When you get there, say amen. You got there, Chris? You there, Chris? You there? Oh, he got it on the screen. Oh, of course, of course you got it. <laughs> so we were going to start in verse 19, but verse 19 starts with, Therefore, and if you know anything about Bible readings, you may have heard this before, you have to go find out what the therefore is there for. So verse 19 says, therefore, we got to jump back, so we're going to start at verse 9. So Hebrews 10, verse 9. 
Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Oh, there it is. Applause. There it is. Stop and see a note. Stop and hold for applause from everyone who is saved. That's what my notes say. Because just as Pastor said last week, he said, if the resurrection wasn't real, then why are we doing this? If the resurrection didn't happen, you know what? We can't be called New Covenant Church. That's the reason we have New Covenant because once and for all, he took away our sin. It's done. It's finished for us so that we have that freedom this morning. You have the ability to say in the name of Jesus and Satan and all the kingdom of darkness gets scurred because you say in the name of Jesus. Because if the resurrection didn't happen, they say, ha we took care of him a long time ago. But instead, when you say in the name of Jesus, they're like, oh, no, not again. Not that Dude, again, that man messed everything up. And now they're repeating it. Now they're using that power. They get frustrated when you say, in the name of Jesus. Verse 11. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which could never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From that time, waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Turn to your neighbor and say, it is a process. Turn to the other side and say, it's a process. So that process of being, being sanctified is a process that we are all going through. That's what we're all enduring. So there is no you have to arrive now at a certain point. Once you're at a certain age, you need to be at this level because if you're at that level, you're behind. It says it is we're being sanctified. That process happens through your daily walk with God, through your communication with other believers, your interaction with, with other, uh, uh, other ministers and, and, and people in church and, and your families. That process takes place in our lives. Because that's one thing, if I, can, if I can say that, I, w- I always try to encourage the youth is that it is a process. We're not there yet. And that's okay. If, you, at, if at times you feel like my faith is being challenged and I don't know what's going on and I, I, and I just feel like I, like I feel weak in my faith right now, guess what? It is a process. It's a process, guys. It's okay. God didn't ask any one of you guys to be perfect. He asked his son, and his son did it, took care of it. It's finished. So guess what? That released you of that burden to be perfect. So next Sunday, guess what, guys? Or today, you do not have to prepare to look perfect when you come. You come to church. You are free from that thought. You are free. You can release that anxiety. You can release that, that constant thought of, do I have everything put together? It is okay. All right? It is okay. It is a process. 
15 says, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sins. He says, 16, this is the covenant that I will make with them. The new covenant. That's what we are. New covenant. I'll put my laws in their hearts and their minds. I will write them. So God's, again, that process, he's establishing that in our lives, in our heart. So now, so now it, is a, it is a journey with the Lord. It's a, it's a growth trajectory with God. It's not this, well, here's everything, follow the rules. If you don't, I'm going to get you. And people still have that idea about God sometimes, that God's just waiting to get me. He's waiting for me to mess up. God knew your mess-ups before you even knew what a mess-up was. And guess what? He still sent a son for you. He still loved you. He still said, yep, that's my child. They are mine. I'm not ashamed of them. Still, still getting to why church. This is also setting it up. I'm setting you guys up. Okay? So now we're to 19. So we know why the therefore is therefore. So because of that, because of what Christ did, because of the, the offering and sacrifice he made once for us, once for all, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus and by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. He is faithful. And 24 says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some of y'all, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. If you leave today feeling like you're a failure, feeling like you've blown it, feeling like you just don't measure up, let me tell you that is not the will of God. That is not the intention of what he designed church to be. That is not the reason he came and and did life with his disciples. It was not to bash them over the head. I heard somebody say, go back and read through the Gospels how many times the disciples blew it. And then read how many times Jesus scolded them and kicked them out. Think about it, because we all, we all know about the times where they just missed it. We love to, to talk about Peter, because Peter was one that was, he was there. He's like, I'll do anything for you, Lord. And he's like, I don't know that dude. In a matter of moments. But how many times did he say, look, Peter, 
I know that you have all this passion, you have all this fire, but I just can't handle that right now. I need you to really get, you know, get your act together, and then I'll come back and find you. Did he do that? Did he do that, church? No. He didn't. Or even he knew the one that was going to betray him was sitting around him. And how many times did he say, look, I need you to keep your distance? Definitely. No, he didn't. And then you look at all the different interactions he had with people. See, because I, 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 I talked to my beautiful wife, Olivia. We have conversations about life and about the word because that's important. And I always go back to, okay, if I don't know what to do in this situation, let's just go see what Jesus did. Maybe there's something in the Bible that can help give me some direction about it. And I always go and look back, and every time he had an interaction with different people, it was about drawing them closer to God and getting them in connection with love more than just telling them, hey, you're missing it and you're a screw-up. Can I say that in church? I don't know if I can say that. Okay, I can say that. Is that okay? I already did. Sorry. So, but he didn't do that. It was all about let's get over all the stuff, everything that you're thinking in your mind right now that's keeping you from being accepted, and let me show you where acceptance is. Let me show you what love looks like. Let me show you how the, the real love that, that my father sent me for, let me show you what this is. And there are people that come to church looking for that acceptance. And my question is, do they find it? Do they get it from us? Are we the, are we the place? Because they're going to find it somewhere. I've told this story to the youth before. I don't know if I said this on a Sunday, but I'll say it again. We went to Honduras many years ago. Led by Brother James Walker in the house. Always love refs and Brother James Walker. Give, give Brother James a hand, please. You probably could go and say his name in Honduras, and somebody knows who he is wherever you go. Because he just was always ministering love there. And so we took, Pastor Corey took a group with us, went there, and we got to go play soccer with two of the most notorious gangs in Honduras. Um, the 18th Street Gang and the MS Gang, I believe their names were. And these were, I mean, we were like 15, 16 at the time, Bradley, when we were, we were there. And I don't play soccer. Anyways, but we were in, we were playing soccer in the prisons with them. And most of these kids were our age and younger. And the only way you could get into the gang was to either kill or do something along those lines. You had to steal and kill. You had to... I don't want to get into all the details, but let's say they had to do very bad things to stay within the game. And these are kids our age. And one, the leader of the 18th Street Gang um, was a phenomenal soccer player. And Pastor Corey was, you know, pro played professional soccer. And so he recognized the talent, the skills, and you know, I'm just like running around doing nothing, um, just trying to make myself look useful because I play basketball, so I don't know what you're supposed to do with the with your feet and everything. I play FIFA, but that didn't equate, right? Um, and I was like, Pastor that guy's good. He said, yeah, he must play in some sort of, he had to have been either 
uh, semi-pro or something. Come to find out, the guy was in the U21s for their national team. He was the leader of this gang. But when it came to the side between the gang and possibly going a professional soccer route, he chose the gang. And you know why? Because he said, they were always there, and they accepted me when no one else did. And so he threw all that away. I mean, I'm talking about a phenomenal soccer player. Like, made me look silly several times. Pastor Corey did, too, and then he also pushed me down. But I'm not holding any grudge or anything against that. Process, guys. I'm receiving forgiveness. He pushed me down. I skimmed my leg. It looked bad. Anyways, um, but, but he said, they accepted me when no one else did. And so people are still are looking for that acceptance. Even as you are adults. Guess what? Adults want to be accepted, too. They want that acceptance. They want that approval. They want that verification, whether it's at their job or they come in here and they want that acceptance. They're looking for it. And I tell you this morning, God accepts and approves you. You don't have to wait for anyone on planet Earth to give you that acceptance, to give you that approval, to give you that justification. It's already been done. But where are you living? Are you living from that place of being accepted by God and that's all you need? Or are you still, like, yearning for that approval from someone else? Because all of you have the ability to show that love, to show that acceptance to somebody, and it changes their world. It changes their life. And we'll go into a visual representation of that very soon. So... Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Stir up good works and don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Again, he came and he brought the 12 disciples together. He did life with them. And he was showing us an example of, hey, this is what I want it to look like. Hey, this is what, well, this is how it's going to, to, it's going to be, that you guys are going to do life together, that you guys are going to stand with each other, that you're going to go through some ups and downs together, but you're going to be there for each other. Because that's my intention, that's my plan for you. So, and then 26, for if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer a sacrifice for sins. Again, why did he come? What was, what was the whole point of it? If we're just going to willfully go away, if we're just going to willfully walk into sin, that's not what you've been called to. And this is, this is for somebody because this is not my notes. I don't care if that's what your family has been known for. That's not what you're known for. It can stop with you. It can stop with receiving that righteousness from God. And now that extends for generation after generation. That, that how, how, your, how your dad was viewed doesn't have to be how you're viewed. That's for somebody has somebody has a has a dad that has had a negative viewpoint and they think that just because my dad that was that way that I have to be that way. And that's not what the word says. Jesus put an end to it 
you can take up that new life, that new walk with God. Because he said, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So you can walk in that abundant life. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. So there's other chapters that mention, we won't go to them, but like in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about the body of Christ. And one verse says that the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Like we were meant to fit together as, as great, wonderful puzzle pieces together and to help each other out. Another verse in Ephesians 4 says that we are one body and one spirit. And it goes on to talk about walking in unity and the gifts of the spirit. All of this was set up after Jesus came so that we could walk together in that. So, why church? Why church? The question, why church? And the answer is, so you can have a healthy squad. Yep. Hashtag squad goals. So you can have a healthy squad.